Listen, lady, you're capable, smart, and driven. Then why do you feel so overwhelmed? Hi, I'm Rithi Parikh, mom of two, wife of one, best selling author, and former perfectionist. Okay, current, but working on it. I'm here to show rockstar professionals who are doing it all that you can have an amazing career, relationships, and life by taking control of your focus, habits, and goals. Join me for simple and motivating ways to squash overwhelm and reconnect with what matters most. Welcome to Productivity on Purpose. Okay, ladies, buckle up. My guest today is going to help you be a rock star at home and a rock star at work. Cheryl Ann Skolnicki knows exactly how it feels to have too much to do and not enough time to do it. Can you relate? She knows it's exhausting, it's stressful, and it can be tempting to just give in to the chaos. But with her company, Brilliant Balance, she offers work-life mentorship and coaching programs to help you have a fulfilling career, a thriving family life, and a strong sense of self. Cheryl Ann is a sought-after speaker. She hosts a top-rated Brilliant Balance podcast, which you've got to check out. Her work has been featured in Thrive Global, The Huffington Post, Forbes, Women's Day, and Cincy Chic. She appears on TV news shows as an expert on work-life balance, productivity, and purpose. She graduated from Cornell University in 1995. She holds an MBA from Emory. She's a member of the Female Founders Collective, one of Cincinnati's 100 wise women and a 40 under 40 honoree, a happy wife, and a proud mama of three. Cheryl Ann, you're doing it all. Welcome. I'm so excited to have you here today. And I know my audience is going to adore you too. Oh, well, thank you for having me. I truly love these conversations and I can't wait to get started. Me too. I think we we talked before this. We're like, this is our favorite thing to do. So I can't wait to dive in. And I know in your official bio, you had your kind of whole story in there and, and you know how you climbed up the corporate ladder to becoming entrepreneur, to running marathons, to raising families. But I would love to hear it from you. Tell us about that journey. Could you give us a quick synopsis of what got you from there to here? Sure. Sure. And, you know, it's so interesting when you hear your own bio, right? I'm sure you feel this way when you kind of hear it read. And, you know, that is all true stuff. Like I did all those things. And yet it's not like what I walk around thinking about every day. None of us do. We're not like these lists of accomplishments and degrees and jobs that we've held. Although so often it's how we try to summarize our existence. And I think if I look at the journey that I've been on, it's mostly been about the rest of the story. You know, the why, the the why does it matter? What am I really trying to do here? What's the contribution that I'm trying to make? And that is not always well documented by kind of our life resumes, right? It's it's this it's often the stuff that's behind the scenes that's really what makes us who we are. So if I look at my life in in the one big pivot that I executed, it was the path out of a corporate life into entrepreneurship. Um, it didn't have to be, right? That's just how I did it. But there was a realization for me, I was about 35 at the time, I was completing my family. So having my third child, you know, I'd already been married for a decade and it was this very clear sense that this path that I had been on was not the one that I was to stay on. Like that, it really is this sort of inner journey pivot moment. And 
candidly, I think that's where I cross paths with a lot of women now. They're at a similar juncture in their life that there's a growing sense that I need to course correct a little bit here. I need a bit of a pivot, a bit of a shift in direction. And so for me, it really came down to what was what was the point of the work I was doing in the world, right? I think about it as the word contribution. What's the contribution I was trying to make? How was I using my gifts, my talents, my capabilities, my skills and knowledge like in service to what? And at the time I was using them in service to selling more of my brand of laundry detergent than someone else's, right? And like, as I say that out loud, I think there is just no way that that was the path that I was meant to continue on. Now I worked for one of the biggest consumer product companies in the world is a tremendously well-respected company. I have nothing but respect for the quality of the products and the, the capability of the people and the way that business is run. But at the end of the day, my gifts and talents were all being used to get more people to choose my laundry detergent than someone else's. And that just didn't feel like it was the right path for me anymore. So I really, my pivot was about mostly my work. It was about lining up. If I was going to spend that much of my time doing work and I love to work, you know, I had every intention of having work be a big part of my life. I wanted it to really matter. And so I went on a bit of a little bit of a circuitous journey to find my way to the work I do now. I started in the health and wellness space um, because it was a longtime struggle for me around food and body image and and how was I going to get my relationship with that right? And so I thought, oh, I can serve from the other side of that. And that was a good point of entry, which eventually led to a much broader vision of really helping women, you know, stand in their brilliance and fulfill their potential without letting anything get in their way. And, you know, if you can see the pathway, like the food issues could be one thing getting in someone's way, but what I quickly learned is there's so many others. And that's what I get to do now, you know, and blessedly as an entrepreneur, it allows me to raise my family in the way I want to do, to be really present for them. You you mentioned I have three children. They're at really important ages where I'm like a fully hands-on parent. Um, My husband of 20 years, my parents live nearby, like there's a lot of other things I want to do outside of work. And this, this particular pathway allows me to do all of that. Yeah. I can relate so much. I feel like we are just soul sisters on this because I have a very similar maybe journey. And I love when you said that you come across a lot of women that are at this point where they're ready to course correct. So it's not necessarily like I got to throw it all out the window and start over. It's often these small tweaks, a little two degree shift this way or that way. And that cumulative two degrees, two degrees, two degrees, like really adds up to a sort of a different path forward. And um, and it takes bravery and it takes courage and it's scary. And um, and just it's I'm so happy you're here to share that because, it, you know, it's, you're, you're setting a great example. And it's just always great to hear from other women who's like successfully gone through that, even though there's so much at risk or that's so scary. And there's but like listening to that inner guidance and voice is just, it always knows. It just always knows, you know? And so I absolutely relate with that. Um, You're often kind of getting to a place where you are waiting for like your plate to be totally clear. You're waiting for your 
like someone to give you the big permission slip. You're waiting for there to be zero risk left, like before you make the move. And I think what you and I know standing on the other side of it is like that moment is never coming. That moment is just not coming. And so like if we're sitting around waiting for someone to give us permission or for our plate to clear or for there to be zero risk, we're never going to do the thing. Whatever the thing is, whether it's starting a company, writing a book, going for the promotion, what moving, getting a different house, we're not going to do it. So that I think sometimes we have to say to ourselves, like, I'm going to do it in spite of these obstacles or challenges that might be rising up. Absolutely. So I know you talk about, I talk about on this podcast, this idea of, I'm going to say work-life balance, although I have a very love-hate relationship with that term, uh, because I think, you know, balance implies equal equality. And we all know it's not like equal 50%, 50% are my kids today and 50% is on work today. So there's this idea of work-life integration. There's, there's a lot of different ways, but work-life balance, I think, you know, it's something that people can resonate with. Like we know sort of like what that's trying to accomplish. What do you feel about that? Like, do you think that's an outdated model? Is that something that we should still hold on to? Should we get that out of our vocabulary? Like, what does that mean to you? So I think that is work-life balance possible as a question really comes down to what is our definition. So it's kind of right where you were going, like, are we dealing with an antiquated definition of balance? And is that what's causing us to reject it as a possibility? So you tell me if you agree with this. I think the most commonly accepted narrative, at least in America, arguably globally, like my clients who are in Western Europe, Australia, Canada, like they're saying same thing. Okay. So I'm not sure about the whole world, but I think our narrative is it's just not possible. Like work-life balance is a joke and we should just give up and just basically get from coffee time to wine time. And as long as we can do that, like that's about the best we can hope for. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's the narrative that we are buying into. And so I, instead of saying like, okay, is this antiquated version of balance possible, which I would define as like a predefined allocation of our time across our priorities that we are able to stick to from day to day, week to week, month to month, right? That's the old definition. That's kind of what I think people think we mean when we say balance, some kind of 50-50 or and like... That's just not how life works. First of all, it implies that life is static and that we can actually kind of arrange these puzzle pieces and they'll stay there. I mean, I don't know about you, but that is not what my life looks like, right? My life is dynamic and changing. And what I think it's going to be in the morning is different by the afternoon. Absolutely. Right? So, okay, how can we have a definition of balance that implies anything static? So here's the flip. My definition of balance honors that dynamic nature. It's, It's more about being in balance. So my visual metaphor is consistently, this is the image I get in my head, is Misty Copeland dancing in the American Ballet. <laughs> Love okay. it. Right? So what strength, grace, strong core, this ability to, tr- but beautiful, like transitioning from pose to pose across that stage. But that girl can land a pose. And so can we. So if our visual metaphor for balance is, okay, time to take the stage today, right? And what are the poses I need to land? Where do I need to nail it? And how am I going to transition between them without falling down with strength and grace? That's a definition of balance that I can aspire to, right? Staying in balance, not setting a balance like some kind of scales left and right that are going to stay there. That makes so much sense. 
And I feel like it makes it so much more approachable, I guess, because now you're like, I'm just looking at today and not the rest of my life or the rest of the week, even, you know, this is like today, what does it mean to me to be in balance? Um, And so then how does someone know when they're really out of balance? Well, so that's a good question. If you ask women, do you feel like you have a good sense of balance? The ones who are going to say, yes, here's my, this is, this will blow your mind. I think blew my mind when I realized it. The ones who say, yes, I feel like my life is in balance are saying two things. One, I feel like I have a sense of control over my time, Mm -hmm. right? I actually believe I have agency over where I invest my time. I don't feel like I'm some sort of victim of the calendar or the clock or someone else's schedule. And two, I am able to allocate some time to things I want to do in addition to this time I spend on things I have to do. Okay. That's it. So it's not really like, oh, I have 43% on, you know, children and 22% on work. And that like, that's just not how we think. What we think about is as I go into this day, yeah, there's stuff I have to do. Do I get to do some stuff I want to do? If you say yes every day, whether that is at work or at home, right? Because by the way, a lot of the stuff happening in the life part of work-life balance feels a lot like work, right? The laundry and the dishes. And there are pieces of that that we would say that does not count in the fun side equation, right? And I think somehow we get like work and life as, oh, this is the hard side at work and the life part is fun. Not so, right? So what do I have to do? What are the things that are like tasks and chores and obligations and standards? Maybe they're hard. Maybe they're not my choice. And then what are the things that are just a blast? Doing this podcast with you is a blast, but this is part of my work life, right? But I feel like I get to do this. Not like, oh, I have to do this interview at two o'clock. Yeah. Ladies, that is gold. If you take away anything from this, I think that would be it. It's like every day, just ask yourself, what is it that I have to do? And then what is it that I want to do? And make sure you get the wants in because you're totally right. I mean, the get the have to do is always, you know, the whole day is like have to do. And but listen, whose choice to- is it? Because what people will say back is you just don't understand. There are oh, so many things that I have to do. There is no time. Well, so too for everybody on the planet. There, It's just All of us could create reasons why the things we have to do can consume all of our time, right? Those of us who have committed, like, I am a better everything if I have some time on stuff I want to do are actively looking through that lens, like I'm holding it up to my eye, like a, you know, telescope or something. We're looking through that lens of what, where can I go looking for things that I can say, I get to do that. I like doing that. I'll tell you, I used to not like driving carpool. Mm-hmm. Like if I had to drive, I was like, drive these kids everywhere. And it was such drudgery. And I had to reframe it as like, I get to do this. Yeah, This is an opportunity to play music with them, to hear about their day when as they get older, they may be less inclined to tell me about that they're kind of trapped in the car, right? And, or I get the return trip often solo. So that's a podcast opportunity. It's a meditation opportunity. It's a silence. You know, there's there's power in that. So reframing even something that you previously thought was a chore as something that can now be like, ooh, this is the hidden blessing in there. Game changer. I love that. And it's increasing that awareness, like you said, actively finding it. I think this is where we go wrong because it becomes like Groundhog's Day every day and we're just going through the motions, right? It's like same thing, morning, afternoon, night, go to bed, do it again. And you have to be active. This is like, this is 
part of being present and mindful is just finding that opportunity. And you're right. There's always an opportunity, right? Whether it's like picking up my favorite latte to right, being in the car, listening to them. There's always ways to find something you want to do. You, but you have to actively go out and find it. And, and you gotta, it. it's like being on a little treasure hunt every day yeah, of yeah. where are those either opportunities for adventure, unexpected moments of just joyfulness. Like, and it can be as simple as I'm in charge of the music I'm playing mm-hmm. on this car trip, right? That can be the thing that you get to do, but it's really, really important because otherwise we veer quickly into victim mindset. Right. And a victim mindset, which everyone listening will hate that term that I use that word. But if we put ourselves like life is happening to me, I have no control over this. What am I supposed to do? That narrative is so disempowering, right? It, it, It external locus of control immediately. Like somebody else is in charge of my life. If we can just reclaim a sense of, I actually do decide where I spend my time. Right. And I can choose in any given day to overinvest in one area of my life, but it's always my choice. That's very empowering. That's a very empowering state. And that's where we want to live because all the good stuff, all the possibilities come when we're in that state. Absolutely. Could not agree more. So, along that note, then, because we're kind of talking about let's be more mindful, let's take that moment and increase the awareness, let's, let's, you know, find those opportunities. I, you know, the word we hear a lot now is present. I want to be present. I feel like I'm not present with my kids, I'm not present with my family, I'm not present with, you know, we're all present with our email and our phones, but, you know, it's like being on the phone and they're talking and so on and so on and just not there. Do you have some techniques? Let's make this like really tangible of like, how do you do it? Like you're, you're in the crazy, you're in the chaos, every, you know, the demands are requests, everybody, there's a million things going on and everyone needs you. How do you get yourself out of that, to be present, to find that opportunity. Like it takes some level of like, you know, pulling yourself out. I think of that chaos. Do you have any simple ways or things that you do? It's you're, you're so on the path here. And do you get this question all the time? Do people say like, I want to be fully present and I can't, yeah, I get this all the time. Um, so I actually think there's just one answer. Um, I, this has been a really a big passion for me for a little bit of time now. Like I, this is not easy. I am a classic, like old school, live in the future, <laughs> multitask all the time, tons of like, oh, I'm going to plan everything out and I'm always a million miles ahead. So that is the opposite of being fully present. Like you're missing this moment. So it's been really a passion for me to get educated about this and try some stuff. And I will tell you the single most powerful like if I gave you one phrase to help, it's single tasking, Mm -hmm. right? We, We all were trained to multitask. We were trained that that's what efficiency looked like. The truth is we actually can't do it. Like most of us have gotten the memo on this, that multitasking is simply rapid switching, right? You're sort of rapidly switching your your focus um, back and forth between tasks, which means nothing is getting your focus for any meaningful duration of time. So, The phrase that I give to myself is, okay, Sherilyn, you got to drop in, right? Mm -hmm. You have to drop in to this moment. Wherever you were twirling and swirling before this, back to my ballet metaphor, when it's time to be fully present, that's where you got to land that pose. You got to stay there for a minute. And that means for me, usually taking a big breath and like landing in that moment, in that interaction, whether it's with one of my children 
whether it's with you, whether it's with my husband or my mom. And I'll tell you, if I don't do it, here's my, here's the, usually the signal. Someone later will say to me, well, I told you that. And I'll, I'll have no recollection, none that that happened because I wasn't there. I was physically there, but I wasn't in that moment soaking in like their facial expression and what they were, you know, if you don't remember what somebody was wearing, that's a good clue that you were not there. Yeah. Right? You weren't taking it in. So you can kind of hack this single tasking by saying, okay, I am going to, um, I'm going to just take in with my five senses. That's a technique for dropping in. I'm going to actually observe this moment as it begins with five senses. And that actually does its memory cue. And it kind of brings all of your senses back into your body in this moment. So, but single tasking as a word, if, if anyone listening today is like, what's the thing? That's it. And so we're such a distracted culture. Sometimes it's unavoidable, but every opportunity that you can to just let the world, you know, we're sitting here on video and you have your background blurred, right? That is the best visual metaphor for single tasking. It's like, I can't focus on anything but your beautiful face because you've completely taken away the distractions behind you. And if we could all do that sort of metaphorically, very powerful, like putting your phone in portrait mode, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I love it. You're speaking my language for sure. I call it unitasking, single tasking, exactly the same thing. Yeah. All right. So I find that the breath, the breath works so well. Like actually taking the breath can, like you said, it's sort of just like metaphysically like gets you back into focus and thinking, you know, getting you back to the place. The other thing I have found that I've tried really hard to do lately is when I'm on my phone, because I'm always, you know, checking the phone, the text, emails, and a child or a person comes over to me. I communicate enough to say, I need to finish this, or let me get through this text. Let me get through this email. And I'm finishing reading this. And then, then can you ask me that? Or then can we talk? Or then can we do that? And I think, again, it's sort of like the breath. So it's like actually doing something physically, then it gets you into the state. It's changing your state. But I think that level of communication is something I've had to work at because typically I'd just be holding the phone. They're talking one ear. I'm still looking at the phone. I'm responding. You know, it's all happening at once. And by me simply stating, this is what I'm doing. I will finish it. Let's have this conversation in a minute. It just, you know, it changes the whole just kind of dynamic in your presence there. I agree with you. And and what I hear in what you're saying is you're calibrating expectations. Mm -hmm. So that takes bravery, right? If we think our job is to be perpetually in service to someone else and our expectations and desires and priorities do not matter, right? Then we kind of have this tripwire effect of you interrupt me and I feel compelled to drop what I'm doing and give you my attention, right? But really I'm giving you half my attention because there's this other part of your brain saying, but I was in the middle of this and really I should be able to finish. So that moment of calibrating expectations, like I want to give you my full attention. You can have it when I finish this email. You can have it when I, you know, and that's hard for kids. It's hard for husbands. It's hard for moms, right? It's not the easiest thing to be told that when your priority feels pressing, but when they know the payoff is that warmth of your full attention. I mean, y'all, someone's full attention is like worth a million bucks. It is the most powerful thing you can give someone. And so when they know that's coming, often it's like, well, they're willing to wait for it. Absolutely. You know, yeah, love that. Love that. Let's turn a little bit to energy because I know this is also so important to you with women, everything we're talking about, doing all the things. What are some simple ways, techniques that you have to be 
helping our energy every day to making us more powerful, empowering ourselves, showing up better for other people, you know, all, but also for ourselves. Kind of like we said, you know, what's what, what I want to do? What do I have to do? Tell me a little yeah. bit. What are your thoughts on that? Well, let's talk about energy for a second. So I think this is where our work sort of dovetails a little bit. And it's, um, that's why I'm so excited to talk to you because I think that, you know, when I'm working with women on the pursuit of balance wanting, and really, honestly, what I really want to work with them on is being brilliant. Like the balance is sort of a vehicle to get to the brilliance. To me, balance is if you don't feel like you're on terra firma, right? If you don't feel like you're upright, then you're, you can't go do anything brilliant because you're just busy trying to stay upright. And so what I really want to help women get to is that, that sense of brilliance, that ability to really harness the full capacity that they have but there's a pathway, right? So how, how many people do you know who are like, well, I want to know my purpose. Mm. I want to go, that's the second buzzword after presence yeah. is like, I want to know my purpose. Well, yeah, great. I want everyone to feel like their life has meaning and that they're living in alignment with purpose. But if we try to start there, it's like the whole house of cards topples because there is no strong foundation. So productivity where you play, right, is absolutely paramount. If we don't feel like we have control of our time, we cannot be using that time in service to anything meaningful. But there's actually a step that comes before it. And that's what I think of as energy management. So it's, you know, am I tired all the time? Do I have enough energy spilling over to use in service to things that I care about? So I look at this as like a three-part progression. First, we got to get you feeling energized, optimistic, positive, like you're fully awake, right? And that you have that sense of vibrancy to move through your day. That's table stakes. If we can't get you there, and it's things like sleep and water and food, right? And movement and having some quiet time every day, like they're pretty basic needs. But sometimes we forget that we're human and we think we're like little productivity robots and we don't tend to those things. And then the machine is really tired. You know, this this machine that we walk around in. So energy management for me is table stakes. That's what leads us to productivity, where we can start to use an energized body and mind to go use our time well. And then the time is used in service to our purpose. But we, we can't even think about that until right. we get these, you know, basics under control. So energy management, you know, I, I mentioned some physical practices, but it's it's physical, it's emotional, and it's mental. All three of those kinds of energy need to be vibing pretty high for us to really go after the life that we're meant to have. Yeah, absolutely. I I think those are so it's undervalued, maybe underlevered. Like it's not, it's yeah, I think when we think energy, it's often you're saying like sleep or like I have to eat better, but the mental energy you have, the emotional state that you're in physically physically, like how you're able to get out of bed and move. And uh, it all plays like this trifecta, this perfect, you know, coming together. If you have that come to that circle, then you're boundless. And it's like, you're, you're, you know, you can do anything and you really can reach that true purpose, as you said, and get to that place. But I, I couldn't agree with you more building those, those legs, like those foundations is like, you know, how are you really going to get there? And I think it's important to say that I don't, I don't say that to be trite, like sometimes that's easier than others, yeah. right? There are times where it's pretty, if things are going pretty well in my family life or my work life, my relationships feel strong. No one's really struggling. 
then I can do things like work out and eat well, and it all takes care of itself. Mm -hmm. But if you place a burden of a relationship that's broken or a conflict at work or a problem that you don't know how to solve, right, in the mix, now all of those things have to work harder. And probably just like eating well and exercising, getting some sleep isn't going to be enough. So that those energy management practices have to match the demands that are being placed upon them. And look, we've all just lived through a really difficult year where the demands placed on us were higher than ever. So people are kind of like, why do I feel so bad? Why is it not working? I'm like, well, what did you change? You know, if you're doing the same things you've always done and the demands went up 10x, you're not going to feel good. Like they have to, you have to rise to meet those demands that are coming in. So I, I don't want to sound like I'm, you know, like it's trite and easy to do this. It's, it's not. There's, there's real work in finding those nuances and making those adjustments. Um, and sometimes we miss it. I miss it. Somebody on my team just told me like within the last two weeks, listen, I'm going to coach you the way you'd coach somebody else. You need to take some stuff off your plate. Right. You know, you've got something you need to deal with. You're still trying to keep everything else at the same level. It doesn't work that way. And she was right. You know, so check some stuff off my plate. I feel better. Right. I think you're totally right. When things are going well, it's easy to show up, easier, right? To show up this way. It's when something's off, off kink or off, you know, your crisis and emergency, or it doesn't even be a crisis, but yeah, just something in a, in a, a relationship, something has gone wrong. That's when you really have to work harder to get this all together to really, you know, step up to that. And a thousand times. Yeah. A thousand times. All right. You know, we could talk for hours on this, but we're going to have to wrap up here. But is there anything, any insight you'd love to leave my audience with or anything you just feel like I really want to get out? We didn't have a chance to talk about. Um, you know, there's one phrase that I just am so in love with that I'd love to share it with them. Um, and it sort of connects to what we were talking about in the notion of being fully present. I just did, you know, a whole podcast episode on this because it it matters so much to me, but it was an echo of this phrase that when I was in my corporate life um, and I was just starting to have children and be pulled in a thousand directions, um, an uh, HR leader who I really respected gave me these words and they were really simple. It's four words, be where you are, mm -hmm. be where you are. And those four words are another touchstone for presence, right? We were talking about single tasking or unitasking, like you said, and dropping in. And, and it's always to say, like, where are you right now? Be there. Like mind, body, spirit, all collected together in this one place. And so that's that's maybe some parting words for anyone listening today that just are a nice echo on some of what we talked about. Well, I would love for everyone listening to be with you after this. And so how can they find out more about you, your work, your resources? I believe you have an awesome gift for my audience. So tell us where we can get that. Great. Well, I think the easiest place to go when you're listening to a podcast is another podcast. So the Brilliant Balance podcast is where you can find mine. Um, we've been at it for about three years. So there's a long library of content there to find. Uh, happy to have some people check that out. Um, and then at brilliant-balance.com, that's our website. There's a resources page. And on that, they can find the free gift. You and I talked about... Um, the support for really ways to build more energy. So I have this thing called stop feeling so tired all the time. It's eight hacks for working women that really work. And I think that'll be a nice dovetail to this conversation we were having about energy management. 
Absolutely. All right. If you're listening, be sure to get your hands on that. Cheryl Ann, thank you so much for your time. You are amazing. You're a gift to so many women. And um, I'm just so happy that we've connected and I cannot wait for everyone to hear this. Well, thank you for having me. It's been awesome. All right, sweet friends. I hope you've enjoyed this episode and found value from it. Also, if you like what you're hearing, you're seriously going to love my emails. If you're not on my list yet, be sure to sign up at lifeisorganized.com forward slash hacks, H-A-C-K-S. When you go and sign up, you'll quickly see why so many amazing women who are juggling it all are showing up week after week. You'll get valuable tips about getting control of your time, day, energy, thoughts. You'll be entertained and always walk away with an actionable insight. So come on over to lifeisorganized.com forward slash hacks and also get your free resource. 21 killer ways to stop feeling overwhelmed. Thanks for showing up today and I will catch you next time on Productivity On Purpose.